Market. It runs right here on Radio NL, airing on Saturdays from 2 to 6. And, of course, again on Sundays from 8 until noon. Host Tom Manek rates and debates the bulls and bears of sports business and takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sports business stories that matter most to fans. I'm pleased to welcome to the program now Tom Manek. Tom, how you doing here? Hey, not bad at all, Jeff. Good to be with you on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, always happy to have you on to, to talk a little bit of sports and, and look ahead to what's coming up on the show here this weekend. Now, of course, one of the things we here in Kamloops are really, really waiting for in terms of news around sports is when the heck are we going to see the WHL fully uh, implement a return-to-play plan? We know three of the four divisions have a return-to-play plan, but the BC division remains without one at this point in time, or at least an approved plan at that. Um, What are you seeing? What are you hearing in terms of the difficulty right now for major hockey with major junior hockey, excuse me, with nothing fully resolved here as we're almost into March? Well, you know the saying that sometimes no is better than maybe, uh, you know, from a stress management point of view. Uh, yes and no, of course, are black and white. Maybe uh, can create a lot of uncertainty. And that's exactly what the governors of, you know, the Kamloops Blazers, uh, all the other BC teams, and, and quite frankly, uh, major junior hockey teams from the three leagues across the country are facing because. There's like literally the best way it can be described as plans are all over the show. Uh, You've got QMJHL, the Quebec Major League, uh, that had quite a few games played last fall, believe it or not. And of course, they had to shut things down in a hurry because they got themselves involved in some team-wide outbreaks. Ontario Hockey League has been in a holding pattern since last March uh, 10th, 11th. London Knights, uh, Mark Hunter and, and company there, uh, talking about the fact that they went on a 10 game in a row uh, winning streak and all of a sudden rug is pulled under their uh, from under their their skate so to speak and here we are almost at the one year anniversary of that and no OHL hockey in between which brings us to to BC and the five BC franchises uh, I got to tell you it's really tough from a business point of view uh, you know I feel for all of the governors the coaches the general managers and I also feel for the fans because I, I don't think it's definitive that there is going to be a plan that will work for British Columbia. Uh, I have to think every effort is going to be made because to lose a second season and to lose a second Memorial Cup uh, would, 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 would definitely be damaging to major junior hockey, which is so dependent on fans in the stands uh, for revenue to support operations. And you take fans in the stands out of the picture uh, it's a really big problem. Now, the last we heard, of course, Jeff, and you know this better than anybody, they're looking at a 24-game rump of the schedule. It might be a much smaller one than that. Uh, and whether it's hub cities, whether it's sort of hybrid, or whether it's, you know, bubble, um, there's a lot of questions to be answered. The most recent news is that, you know, there's support at some of the regional authorities, but ultimately the final word will come from Bonnie Henry and the Provincial Health Authority, but they're definitely, the only thing I can say for sure is they're definitely running out of time. If they don't have anything mapped out here, uh, you know, in the first or, or at the latest second week of March, I, I don't see how they could get any substantial season moving forward. And that would really be a shame 
uh, for a lot of fans, including those of the of the Blazers. Yeah, and I think it really comes to a head here specifically today. How appropriate to talk about it here today because the Central Division, the Alberta uh, teams that play in the WHL, they're set to open their season here today. Now, I don't think that's putting any pressure on BC Health officials by any stretch. They're going to do what they're going to do. But, man, that's just got to add to the frustration to see other teams starting to get play underway and, and we're still stuck in this holding pattern. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, that, I think first of all, holding patterns are really tough. Uh, any of our listeners in pre-COVID times who've been caught in an airplane that had to circle and circle before it was, uh, you know, able to land, it's not a very pleasant thing. Well, that's what it's like to be a WHL player or, or any, you know, person representing any of the WHL teams. Uh, and, and I do think that uh, the fact that you've got so many different standards happening, uh, it's going to make for a very interesting selection process for the Memorial Cup, if, if one can be salvaged, how do you compare, you know, the three leagues in terms of, you know, if some of them play 24 games or less and others had gotten already over 30, 36 games, uh, you know, it's just hard to be on an even playing field. So the competitive integrity of the Canadian Hockey League and major junior hockey in this country is very much at stake. I mean, I certainly hope that they're able to do something, even if it's a tournament-style qualifier to get to the Memorial Cup, that kind of television exposure, that kind of fan engagement, and for some of the guys who are in their last year of eligibility, even if some of those will be extended, uh, you'd love to see them at least be able to say goodbye that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super frustrating here, and uh, you know, we, we all, I think, any, anybody in Blazer Nation is hoping to see some sort of season get underway, but it's uh, who knows when a decision is going to be made. And speaking of sort of the impact of, of Major junior hockey here. We've heard a lot from the NHL about the talk about the uh, the draft being pushed back, right? To to allow for for scouts to actually be able to see some of these players play, and I guess even that kind of remains up in the air too, right? Whether we can get any scouting done if if we're only going to see a twenty four game season against the same you know four teams over and over and over again, that's got to be pretty difficult at the at the pro level here as well. Yeah, and from a hockey operations point of view, a sport business point of view. Uh, imagine the, lo- the logistics there. I mean, normally you can have a scout in a region and he can have a pretty good run at seeing WHL games. But if you've got the, you know, five teams clustered here, you got the American teams in Washington and Oregon clustered there, the Alberta teams, as you mentioned, uh, and that doesn't even get into the Manitoba and the Saskatchewan teams. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be easy from a Western Canadian scouting point of view. Uh, they're going to have to do some, uh, you know, they, I guess there's speed dating, but they're going to have to do speed scouting. And, and, and certainly it'll be interesting, um, you know, what kind of blurred vision that might bring into the NHL draft, uh, you know, uh, come, you know, come when that uh, happens this summer. All right, let's let's move into that that pro league and and talk a little bit about the the North Division here. Uh, I think everyone's favorite division if you live in Canada, and that is specifically looking at what's going on in Edmonton with the Oilers right now. They're on a heck of a streak right now. They really moved up the standings and uh, sitting second right now in the North Division, just behind the Maple Leafs. Uh, what does this current run mean um, from from a 
media standpoint, from a fan engagement standpoint, I mean, everyone loves Connor McDavid and, and they want to see him play. But outside of that, there's sometimes a, a lot of, uh, you know, attractiveness that's lacking when it comes to this Oilers team. But maybe, you know, with this current success, it's building things up a little bit in terms of momentum. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. And I think Connor McDavid is the star that's stirring the Oilers drink, so to speak. And when he is as hot as he's been, uh, it is really good for fan engagement on social media. It, it's great for television ratings, uh, for Sportsnet and, and all the uh, you know NHL corporate partners because there's a bit of a buzz when you've got a Canadian-based superstar doing his thing. And arguably, the Edmonton Oilers have two of them in McDavid and Leon, Leon uh, Dreisaitl. Uh, I think the single biggest difference, and, and I actually had pegged the Oilers to make the playoffs, then I got cold on them because of how brutally inconsistent their goaltending was, mm-hmm. and I thought that they're going to be on the outside looking in along with uh, uh, Vancouver and, uh, and, and Ottawa. Uh, but now I've gone back to the original uh, where I think that they're going to be hard to keep out of that top four just because they're getting not just the offensive leadership of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, but some of the uh, the role players up front are having terrific seasons. And Mike Smith is probably the single biggest storyline. He's 6-0 and now uh, as a veteran goaltender. That's always been the problem with the Oilers these past few years is having consistent goaltending. If he can, as a 30-something, 38-year-old veteran, deliver the kind of goaltending he gave last night against the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, he wasn't necessarily uh, pressed, but he certainly had a very, very sturdy game and was full measure for the shutout. If they get all those cylinders working, I really think the Oilers give the Toronto Maple Leafs, who they're now behind by four points, a real run for the money. And then if you have that Oilers-Leafs kind of uh, push for the top spot, you know, it looks like Vancouver and Ottawa, you know, just aren't really in the conversation right now. That means that you've got Calgary and Winnipeg and the Montreal Canadiens, those three fighting for the remaining two spots. It's going to cause a lot of scoreboard watching, uh, you know, in the month of March and into April. It's uh, it, it's it's going to mean the TV ratings. Every game will be, you know, even more important, especially uh, between teams. Uh, wanting to do four pointers, uh, you know, uh, against each other who are in playoff contention. So everything gets more hyped when you've got some superstars in the mix. And I do think the National Hockey League, which has been craving to have its superstar Connor McDavid in the playoffs, and he's only been there once, uh, they won't admit it. But there's a lot of people, uh, you know, hoping that Edmonton will be one of the teams uh, to represent the Scotia North Division in the playoffs. And of course, under this year's format. Right now, you know, you like the odds of either the Leafs or the Oilers making it to the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely, and I don't think you can go wrong with having either Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid being on that uh, that global stage there. So I think... Uh you're right. The Oilers, they, they do seem to be going in the right direction. And uh, funny enough, this whole streak, this run that they're on right now kind of started when they, they won their first game in, what was it, like three years without McDavid and Drysaddle scoring a point. It was amazing how long that streak was. But they broke it, and, and it seems to have kind of sparked things here as well. So we'll see now what happens. Now 11 wins. Yeah, absolutely. You're right, Jeff. Now they're 11 wins in their last 13 tries. 
Uh, let's move on to, to another sport. Uh, we're coming up on the clock here, but the Blue Jays, you know, they've had a heck of an offseason bringing in the stud outfielder there in George Springer, really uh, drawing a lot of attention. Of course, we all know that the Jays have been slowly building things, right? They have uh, Bo Bichette. They got um, uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Those guys have been sort of the talk of the Jays for a long time. Last year, they bring in uh, Hyunjin Ryu to sort of be the, the ace pitcher. And now they got a former world series mvp on their team as well i mean they're really attracting a lot more attention probably than what would have been expected just a few months ago and and being that eight seed in the playoffs in that shortened season i'm sure helped things a little bit here in terms of getting them a little bit of credibility how much um, more buzz is surrounding this team compared to what we would normally see had things not kind of broke their way in free agency well, you know, it's really interesting because on one hand, it's such a shame, like with the whole Kamloops Blazers conversation, it's such a shame that we're in the middle of this pandemic. It's a shame, obviously, for a lot more important reasons in sports. But the reality is when you've got that kind of acquisition, it's too bad the Jays, from a sport business point of view, aren't selling tickets to the Rogers Center, aren't playing at home, uh, you know, aren't seeing that buzz of having the team playing at home. They're going to have to settle for Dunedin and Buffalo, some combination there. But having said that, there's no question in my mind that the buzz around this year's preseason is several notches above what it was a year ago. Uh, Jeff, and I think it's largely because of what you just mentioned. George Springer brings them, uh, in addition to the Bobichats and the Vladdy Guerreros and the other young, young studs there, gives them an accomplished superstar, a World Series MVP, uh, a very charismatic player, uh, who can do a lot of damage. And the fact that he's now a spokesperson for the Jays, he's um, you know uh, re- reporting to spring training, it gives a lot of other media talking points, and that you know translates into much more fan interest. So it, it'll be very interesting in the month of March um, how much airtime the Jays get. Uh, but I do think that if Springer and some of the pitching uh, uh, additions that the Jays made um, can you know translate into being at least sort of in contention for an eighth seed or, or north of that, uh, you'll see really good television ratings for Rodgers over the course of the season. Because right now, that's the only um, a jewel that they're protecting with uh, not being able to sell tickets and having restrictions on their merchandising because of border travel and everything. So we'll have to see, but there's no question George Springer adds definitely some buzz to what's happening in Dunedin right now. Yeah, we know uh, Major League Baseball does a lot better on TV ratings than some of the other sports, so I think that helps a little bit here as well. Tom, thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to the show this weekend. Appreciate this today, and and, uh, we'll we'll catch up with you in the future, and and have a great rest of your Friday here. Yeah, all the best, uh, Jeff. It's really a pleasure being on with you. Have a great Camelot's weekend. Uh, Yeah, we definitely will. Thanks so much, Tom. There is Tom Mayadek, the host of Sport Market. You can listen to that right here on Radio NL, Saturdays from 2 to 6, Sundays from 8 until noon. Mayadek writes and debates the bulls and bears of sports business and takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sports business stories that matter most to fans.